0: discussing their process and passion in bringing these women to life. Welcome to Complicated Conversations. On these episodes, there's no spoilers. So come on, it's starting.
1: On today's Complicated Conversation, we are excited to be joined by Colleen Oakley. Colleen is the USA Today best-selling author of The Invisible Husband of Frick Island, You Were There Too, Close Enough to Touch, and Before I Let Go. Her novels have been translated into more than 21 languages, option for film, and have received numerous accolades. Her most recent book, The Mostly True Story of Tanner and Louise, is out now. Welcome to Pop Fiction Women, Colleen.
2: Thank you. Thank you so much for having me.
1: Oh, so we're very excited, and we, we always ask to just um, have our authors give a little elevator pitch for our listeners about
2: your new novel. Yeah, for sure. So Mostly True Story of Tanner and Louise is about 84-year-old Louise who has suffered a hip injury and her children decide she needs live-in care, which comes in the form of 21-year-old college dropout Tanner, who would really be rather be doing anything than taking care of, in her mind, a geriatric old lady. Um, But she is short on choices in her life. So the two are happy to ignore each other until one uh, night at 1 a.m., Louise bursts into Tanner's room, holding a bag full of cash and insisting that they leave town immediately, um, where they embark on a cross-country road trip for the ages, um, trying to outrun both the mistakes of their past and the police. (laughs) Mm.
0: Oh, Spoiler, it doesn't work. (laughs) It never works. I say that from personal experience, not from the book. But anyway, uh, so we really focus on complicated women on this podcast. And you have given us actually quite a few of them, but we're going to really focus on the title characters. And I want to start with Tanner. Mm -hmm. She's 21 year old with a lot of walls up. Uh, When we meet her, she's dropped out of college and she plays video games all day. She's taken this job but she's really just ignoring Louise and isn't, you know, diving in. At one point her mother, she talks about how her mother tells her she needs a purpose, but she quips you can't exactly pick one up at Target next to the throw pillows. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Tell us about Tanner, what inspired her or maybe what challenges you had in writing her.
2: Yeah, so Tanner, I think like most 21-year-old people is trying to figure out who she is in this world and what her life is going to be. And I think it's more complicated for her because she has come up against a really tough obstacle, which is that what she thought she was going to be, which is a major college star soccer player, and hopefully then an Olympian and professional soccer player, um, that life plan got thwarted with a really career-ending injury. And so, you know, she's dealing with the grief and depression of that, along with all of the normal 21-year-old questions of who am I and and what am I doing here? (laughs) What am I going to do here in the future? (laughs) Um, So I think, you know, partly she was inspired, you know, of course, as any author does, I had to mine my own uh, memories of being 21 and trying to figure out life. And then I think what was difficult about writing her is that I haven't been 21 in quite some time. So, <laughs> right. you know, I needed to figure out how to make her Authentic. I um, My own children are all 12 and under, so I haven't been around a lot of 21-year-olds. And I relied a lot on um, neighbors and the kids' babysitters. And, um, you know, I sent them what I'm sure th- they thought were some very funny texts to make sure. I was giving Tanner was authentic to a 21-year-old today.
0: Oh, I love that. Yeah. And you're like, this is research, I promise. I'm not prying. <laughs> You're getting right. these texts back, like,
1: we would never talk like yes. that. You know? yes. No, that would,
0: yeah, I'm sure. For Facebook,
1: no. 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 Oh, yes. That I that I bet your 12-year-old could probably tell right. oh, you yes. exactly. Not cool, mom. Yes. Um, so let's also talk about Louise, then, who is this firecracker yeah. of a woman. She's 84 years old, but tells people she's 79. <laughs> she's strong and independent. Very uninterested, um, much like Tanner, in in having this person there to help her. I mean, in her mind, she'll need any help. Um, And she may or may not have perpetrated the largest jewelry heist in American history. Who knows? I mean, but I didn't grow up really with grandparents, but, you know, my mother is now almost 79 and also sets her clock every night by when it's cocktail time. So I felt a little connection with her. But so tell us about Louise and really what inspired her character, because I think there is a personal element for you, too. For
2: sure. And first, let's just say hashtag life goals about getting to the point in life where cocktail time is every single day and you do not miss it. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, Louise was heavily inspired by my relationship with my own grandmother, Marion Oakley. She lived to the age of 92. Um, she was up until the end, you know, sharp, pragmatic, witty, um, independent, you know, just really a woman before her time. Her life was really, really incredible. She went on to get her master's degree at a time where women, you know, usually did not go to college. She met Jimmy Stewart. She traveled the world like she was just a really fascinating and funny and very independent lady. Um, And toward the end of her life, a few years before she passed, she was diagnosed with late onset Parkinson's disease. Um, And I don't know if either of you have experience with Parkinson's or know anybody who's had it, but it's a pretty it's a pretty rough condition, um, you know, combined with the bevy of medications that they give you to combat the symptoms of Parkinson's it can create a host of hallucinations and, um, you know, really vivid dreams that it's very difficult for the person suffering from Parkinson's to kind of tell what's real and what's not. So my, you know, twice a week phone calls with my grandmother started to become quite interesting because (laughs) some of the things that she believed to be true were a little (laughs) alarming. Like one time she (laughs) um, (laughs) she asked me if I had written a check for $10,000 and sent it to New Jersey for her. And I said, well, no, I haven't. What for? And she said, well, I have to pay off my gambling debts. <laughs> and so, oh you goodness. know, things like that. And so as a family, we all started to kind of compare these funny stories, which my grandmother would have thought were hilarious because she had such a wicked sense of humor. And it was also a way for us to kind of deal with our grief together as a family, you know, by telling these funny funny stories. Um, but it also got my novelist, you know, kind of wheels spinning in my head where I thought, what if my grandmother who had this incredible life in her own right? Okay. Realistically, what if she also had this other secret life that none of us knew about that was really just starting to come out toward the end of her life. Mm -hmm. Um, and that's when the character of Louise, who has this big secret past that none of her family knows about, um, was born.
0: (laughs) That's fantastic. I love that. So good. My grandmother recently passed away. She passed away this year um, and she was 92, but I never really had an adult relationship with her. And I think if there's, I have any regret, it's that I think she was always focused on the little kids. Like I, when I had kids and there was always a new batch of little kids and she was always focused on them. And I never really got to cultivate that, you know, for myself. But friendship um, between these generations is something that's really explored in this book. And they're both kind of hesitant, but also stuck with each other for this period of time. What did you want to explore about that? And how do you feel about that kind of relationship? Do you think it's just there isn't much to learn or there's there's so much to learn there?
2: Yeah, so I think partly what I was trying to explore was really just capturing the beauty of the relationship that I had with my grandmother. I mean, writing this book partly was catharsis for me. I started writing Mm. it right about the time that she passed away. And so it was really part of my grief process. I mean, and so much of her is in the character of Louise. And I think um, it's because I felt like I was getting to spend time with her every day. I missed her so much and I was able to bring her back to life, even just for a little bit while I was writing. And that was really cathartic to me. Um, But Mm. secondly, you know, I was lucky enough to have this incredible relationship with her. And I feel like I learned so much from her. She was a phenomenal grandmother when I was little, but we really did have a special relationship. When I became an adult, we would take our own road trips together. Just the two of us. (laughs) We loved spending time together. Um, We talked very often, Um, And she really had such great, wise advice, not only because that's just the kind of person she was, she was a great listener, she was very pragmatic, but because of her lived experience. I mean, there wasn't anything that could happen to me that she had not herself been through. So she gave such great advice. Um, And I think in writing this book, it was honoring that, but also kind of helping our culture who is not great at remembering what our elderly population has to share with us, kind of reminding people that they have so much lived experience um, and wisdom to offer us. And sometimes we forget that and we, you know, we don't revere the aged and we certainly don't revere aging. I mean, all of us are trying to age backwards as far as I can tell instead of embracing it. So um, my grandmother embraced it and I just think it's really admirable.
1: Mm,
0: I love. That. Yeah,
1: I mean, you also explore through this what it means to be a woman mm-hmm. in America today. And one of the ways you do that is is how you're talking about it. It's it's the intergenerational, the interplay between Louise and Tanner, and sort of it, because of their age gap, it does allow you to explore sort of where we are now, but also where we've been um, as as women and and the strides we've made, but things we still need to work on and it feels very relevant uh, in today's culture uh, and the climate. So um, what did you hope to sort of spark in terms of dialogue about um, women and between these two characters?
2: Yeah. I mean, it's definitely exploring what it means to be a woman uh, today in our culture, but also what it has meant, you know, historically to be a woman. And I think of all of the things that my grandmother you know, saw and went through in her life. I mean, she she was alive for the invention of birth control. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, that was not an option for part of her life. Um, she witnessed when women were allowed to stop getting their husbands to co-sign for uh, them to be allowed to get a credit card, you know, in 1974. Like, so many things happened in her lifetime and so many things her generation fought for, for future generations to live better And have more freedoms than she herself had. And so I do, I think it's interesting because in some respects, I think that we are going backwards. I'd be fascinated to be able to talk to my grandmother now. I mean, she would just be appalled at some of the things that are going on. Um, And so, yeah, I absolutely wanted to open up that dialogue. You know, but in what I do in my writing, I always try to do it in a way that's entertaining and funny, you know, I want to make you think, but I also want to make you laugh at the same time.
0: <laughs> oh, yes. Well, that mission accomplished there. So this novel is very clearly influenced by Thelma and Louise, mm-hmm. which actually is a really funny movie yes, with kind of funny. a dark, yeah, a dark core. But mm-hmm. it is very funny and very... Um, entertaining to watch uh so tell us about that the impact that that movie had on you and the influence on this book yeah
2: so Thelma and Louise I consider them like the greatest female duo on the big screen of all time um agreed agreed yeah I mean it's just so great I watched that movie for the first time um when I was about 14 or 15 and I just remember you know, I, I felt really angry a lot of times as a teenager and not not just because of hormones, not just because of the reasons that teenagers are generally angry. I just remember feeling that things were confusing and unfair. Like, I, you know, I came of age at a time when the Anita Hill trials were going on and she was being raked over the coals for something that happened to her. Um, I was, you know, being raised in a time where Daisy Dukes was the number one song on the radio, but women were supposed to be covered up and conservative. (laughs) Um, Mm -hmm. It was just very confusing. The 90s were a confusing time. (laughs) Um, And I remember watching that movie and suddenly feeling validated in this anger, even if I didn't still fully understand why. You know, I was also being told, I think our generation was, was one of the first to be told that we could do and be anything that we wanted to be, but yet there still seemed to be all of these obstacles, Mm -hmm. um, particularly in the South, (laughs) where I grew Mm -hmm. up. And so Thelma and Louise was just really eye-opening to me that there were other women who felt this anger and this rage that I was starting to feel at such a young age at the unfairness of it all. And so I certainly wanted to pay homage to that with Tanner and Louise, but also show that we have come farther since Thelma and Louise, right? I'm not reinventing the wheel, but I also was showing that we have come a long way in the past 30 years. Um, we still have yeah. a long way to go, <laughs> yeah. but we've come a long yeah. way. Yes, yes.
0: And this book is the same thing. It is, it's a funny, cape a real caper, um, but it has a little bit in the end some there's some moral ambiguity there's kind of a dark story behind a lot of what's going on um you know not not a drag it's it's a great book but it just there's some depth there that maybe is unexpected given how far we've come um maybe would that have happened now and and would it be such a big deal but i'll leave that for after you're you're all done uh, (laughs) with, with the book yeah, DM but me. I love, Let's talk about it. Yeah,
1: <laughs> there you go. And, you know, we actually covered Thelma and Louise for the podcast. Um, oh, you did? And I, and yeah. yeah, and I hadn't watched it. And I think you said the same, same thing to It had been, I mean, like a long while. And I was, like you, I saw it when it first came out, and I probably maybe had seen it once since, but but it had been a long time. And certainly when you're looking at it in the context of what we do, you know, you have a little bit of a more analytical lens, and we're studying certain things. It really still holds up. It's
2: Yes, I agree. Really, I watched, yeah, it's part I, yeah. of research for the book, and I was pleasantly surprised at how well it held up.
1: Right? Because that's not always true, you know, when you go back to those, those ones. Um, So anyway, yeah, uh, big fans of that. So (laughs) I'm going to shift gears a little to you mentioned that your grandmother had um, Parkinson's. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it it certainly seems as if you're not afraid to sort of address these tough medical diagnoses, your debut dealt with cancer, and, and now now Parkinson's in this one. And the grief that comes with loss in your novels. But you also mentioned, you know, you like things to be funny yes. and entertaining. And so what draws you to include those heavy topics, but do so with sort of this wit and humor, just yeah. kind of covering the full emotions of life, I guess.
2: Yeah. But- yes, certainly that's part of it. I think for me, you know, it's partly from my family. It's the way I was raised. We Um, we certainly don't shy away from hard topics or dealing with difficult things, but it's always (laughs) through a lens of humor. I mean, there's a lot of gallows humor, um, a lot of off color jokes (laughs) in my family. Um, and it's just kind of the way I was raised. Everybody in my family has a really good sense of humor and it's, it's, it helps to deal with tough things. You know, humor can really get you through a lot, um. And I just myself, I really like to make people laugh like it's one of my great joys. And so if if I can do that uh, through the written word and I can also help you think about, you know, tough topics that I'm thinking about and I'm trying to explore um, all the better.
0: (laughs) I love Mm -hmm. that. You know, we talk uh, uh, when we interview thriller writers or, or mystery and true crime people, they were like, you're so like, funny and light and, you know, bubbly personalities. And now you've given us kind of the other side, which is you write a a bubbly, entertaining book, but there's the gallows humor, there's the dark side of it, too, that you don't shy away from, but you do it with humor. I love that. Thanks. Um, You have published five novels in seven years. Is that right? Okay. Uh, Which is a very impressive piece. (laughs) and i was wanted to ask a little bit about what your writing process is like are you good on deadlines you you make deadlines for yourself i mean you're a former journalist is mm-hmm. that right so it, does that influence your process
2: yeah i mean I, I i do think i'm pretty good on deadlines just from being a journalist you know i had to be um I also have a tendency to procrastinate, which is not a great quality
1: (laughs) to have, but I do meet those deadlines. Not that much. (laughs) If you're doing five in seven years, you're not that much of a (laughs) procrastinator.
2: But yeah, so my my writing process is uh, wildly disorganized, and I wish that I could you know, sum it up in a a way that made it make sense. But it it doesn't because it's wildly disorganized. I'm a pantser. I write by the seat of my pants. I don't outline. I don't plot. I do spend about six months in research mode before I start Mm. to write. And it's generally while I'm finishing up another book, I'm researching the next idea. I'm, you know, kind of mulling it over in my brain. I have a lot of, um, I pretty much know who the characters are by the time I'm I'm sitting down to actually write them. But yeah, so I know where it begins. I know kind of where it's going to end. And then I have no idea how to get from point A to point B. And <laughs> um, it's a mess.
0: <laughs> you just let the process take over. Yes, There's wow. a
2: lot of rewriting. There are a lot of drafts lot of editing that goes on and i and i edit as i write which is also the number two rule of what you're not supposed to do but that also harkens back to my journalism days because i am one of those rare you know i'm an editor and a writer and so i just Mm -hmm. am constantly editing myself and it's very difficult for me to move forward until like i have a chapter the way i want it and then i can move on to chapter two
0: and that mm-hmm. doesn't make or does it make it harder for you to kill your darlings when you feel like you've kind of polished them up a little, you put a little bow on them, you're yeah, still lifeless. It, yeah, it
2: does make yeah it okay. Very hard. It's always hard, no matter where in the process, it's very hard when you feel like you've written something great <laughs> to yeah, delete yeah. it. So yeah. I never delete anything. I will cut it and paste it in another document never to be seen you know again right. but it still but makes me feel it's better. a
0: mind <laughs> trick you're like no i'm just moving it here i'll use it you're later i know i'll come you. back you're to it yes
2: it's, i love yes. that
1: yes do
0: not kill your
2: darling
1: just relocate her i like that. <laughs> that's so great um So speaking of location, do you like how I just did this? You live in Atlanta (laughs) and was uh, surrounded by many authors that we love and that we've talked to on this podcast, especially our our friend and yours, Emily Giffen. Um, So what are some of the ways that other female authors have supported you in your career? I know you've spoken about the way she's helped, I'm sure. There are many, but but we love to hear about women supporting other women in these endeavors.
2: Yes. Mm-hmm. Well, I have been very lucky, but I will also say that this industry, I think, is one of the most supportive as far as women supporting other women. It's been, mm-hmm. everybody is so generous it feels like there's room for everyone. There's never like a cutthroat, you know, well, my book's coming out and I need to make sure that it's... No, everybody wants to uplift everybody else. At least that's been my experience. And I have been incredibly lucky. Emily Giffen, for one, I remember I was a huge, huge fan, you know, from the time Something Borrowed came out. Mm -hmm. And I remember when right before my first book, Before I Go was coming out, I went to an author event to see Patty Callahan Henry, um, Because she had a new book coming out, I did not know her either. But I, you know, I wanted to attend the event, and Emily Giffin was there. And I was with my friend, and I grabbed her arm and I said, "Emily, that's Emily Giffin." It's like seeing a celebrity, you yes. know? Like she's yeah, yeah, morning. yeah. No, it is. And yeah. um, and she, and so my friend said, "Well, just you know, you have to go talk to her." And I was like, "Oh my gosh!" I was so nervous, and I went up to talk to her, and she literally could not have been nicer. I told her that I had a book coming out and that I thought that my publicist had sent it to her and she was like, well, I'm going to look for it as soon as I get home. And, um, you know, we took pictures together and literally since that day, she has been like the most supportive friend and author and mentor in this Mm -hmm. business. And I am so grateful to her, but there is a huge list of other <laughs> women and yeah. author mary Kay andrews patty Callahan, henry who i also met that night i mean so many of them that just will drop anything to answer a question that you have you know to walk you through something that's difficult to share your book with all of their you know instagram followers or, or whatever mm-hmm. it is i mean they're all so generous and supportive
1: uh love hearing that. That's amazing. Yeah. I mean, that does not surprise me about Emily. I mean, and having been to all her book events, you know, it's like everyone that comes is like her friend, long lost friend. And some of them are, by the way, as you've seen. They've been at this, they this is their sixth seventh eighth time seeing her they like come back every year I mean it's and she it knows really them she remembers oh, yeah. details she's made yeah she yes.
0: you know, through that yeah, through social friends. media and it's
2: because she's so genuine I mean she is just yeah. a genuinely yeah. kind person
0: yeah 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 uh, Kate and I went to one one particular signing and we went to an after party afterwards and emily didn't show up for like three hours because the line was like around the corner and she was signing and talking forever so we were all kind of hanging out at her party with without her
1: i mean the last one she spent uh, how many times did she shout out pop fiction women we we haven't i mean i'm like i'm like you don't have to like yes she just kept mentioning our (laughs) podcast. are y'all listening to their podcast let me tell you about their podcast and like just, uh, I'm yeah. like, okay, go ahead. Go back to your book. <laughs> Thank yeah. you so much. Right. But, but
0: really, like, promote your book. Uh, it was great. Yeah. So, yeah. anyway. Well, uh, Kate and I were doing some of our research, scrolling through your Instagram as part of our mm. research. Not entirely. <laughs> Don't be horrified. But your pictures are just so wonderful. You have, you're a mother of four mm ridiculously good-looking children, oh. and won't be surprised given you and your ridiculously good-looking husband. <laughs> I
1: mean, I this might be the first time we've said that on here. Your ridiculously good-looking husband. Yes.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, it's not surprising. I w- wasn't yeah. surprised when I saw how adorable your kids are. But I wondered if there was anything. I mean, it just—it doesn't look. I will. It doesn't look fake perfect. But it looks Thank really. Real. I appreciate like like, you saying that, and it's it's true. Maybe that's why I love it even more because I don't like fake. I I get I'm like oh that's great, but that's staged and that's whatever. And I'm just not aesthetically attuned to things being perfect. So, yeah. um, so to me, you, your uh, presence is so perfect because it looks really real too. Thank so you. if if someone um, we're gonna. To stop by your house unannounced, what do you think they might be surprised by? Given that they think everything looks so so perfect and happy and wonderful,
2: I think they would be surprised at how messy my house is. Um, although I do not try to hide that in in photographs, you know, I might angle away from some of the worst mess. Um, but yeah, like it's very difficult to keep one of those magazine picture perfect homes. And I don't even try because I have four yeah. children. <laughs> yeah. Um. So they may or may not be surprised by that. Um, I love it. What else would they be surprised by? I don't know. I do try to be very genuine on social media with the caveat that I do not post, you know, when my kids are upset. I do not post mm-hmm. when we're fighting. I do not post when I've had a really tough day because To me, that's not what social media for me is for. You know, I like to go there and be joyful and see joyful things and wonderful meals that people have eaten and great vacations that they're going. And so, yeah. So for me, I just try to stick to the happy stuff and out of respect for my children because, you know, like there's some privacy matters. I think that, um, you know, I don't think their whole lives should be on blast on social media. They can decide to do that when I allow them to have social media. Yes, they're like forty, but <laughs> <laughs> out of the house. I'm, I'm the same way. But yeah, I don't know what else people would be. Oh, I love by. it. I mean, it's wildly chaotic, which I also don't think is a surprise because there's four of them. <laughs> yes. yes. Oh, I love that. Yes, I love that.
1: Yes. So we have a little side interest on here uh, in astrology. Oh, and okay. I know, I know. And I keep saying that we have to stop calling it a side interest because it is, for Corinne and I, this is a full-blown, 100% main uh, line interest. But so we ask all our authors, what's their sign and do they relate? But since we did do a little stalking, I believe you're a Gemini.
2: I am a Gemini. And I
1: feel like this fits really well listening to you today. The wit, the humor... (laughs) just the, like your whole personality to me, the duality, yeah. like I'm duality. seeing this, but do you, do you relate? <laughs> yes. Yeah, I, well, I know. Yes, that's true. You yes. also do have twins, but yeah. do you feel you relate?
2: I do, I do, and mostly to that duality of personality. My husband likes to joke; he never knows who he's going to get from me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, um, but yeah. it is very true. Yeah. yeah, I am as equally introverted as I am extroverted. You know, like as equally chaotically messy as I. Then have to be wildly organized like there is nothing makes sense in, in me. And I think that is perfect for Gemini.
0: <laughs> yes. yes, my husband's a Gemini. And let me tell you, it's one of my favorite things. I know to some people it, it they, who want consistency and, and just one thing, it's not good. <laughs> For me, I love a little, you know, and it's not craziness; it's just, right. uh, but it is equal a little measure. unpredictability. I love it. It keeps me on yes. my toes. It's my That's favorite. Right. Mm-hmm. My favorite. I love that.
1: Yes, and I, I have a Gemini son. I do not like it as much. I'm just going to be perfectly honest because <laughs> a lot I never know sun. which. I'm a lot of fixed, and his whole which Daniel's appearing. <laughs> uh, not always that easy as the parent, I will yes. tell you.
2: I think but, my um, mother would agree but, with you from parents' speaking. Uh,
1: <laughs> you know what, though? Like we like to say about complicated women, never boring. And I will say that about him. And I do believe that is the Gemini, never boring. <laughs> never and boring. keep never. us on our toes. And, you know, yeah. Um, Emily uh, Giffen's married to a Gemini. Look yes, at this. We're, that's we're right. More Gem- that's
0: yeah. right. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. I, you said pragmatic like multiple times for your grandmother. I'm wondering now what her sign was.
2: She is also oh. a Gemini. <laughs> oh, I love that. And I oh, think I... that's one of the reasons that we had such a, a strong connection. I mean, we really mm. she I really felt understood by her from yeah. a very young age. Um that's right. you know, particularly in those tough times, you know, those teenage and early 20 years were really difficult for me and my mother because we are so different in a lot of ways. Um, we have since obviously overcome that and we're very good friends now. But but in those times, it was so helpful to have my grandmother who who I felt really understood me, you know, to kind of right. fill that role when things were a little rough with my mom. That's
0: what I had with my grandmother too. My mom and I are very different and my grandmother and I were very similar and yeah. she just got it. She just, she just got it for me and that was just a, a real relief to... To have someone who, and my mom now, I have a daughter who I sometimes don't understand at all. And it's just nice to know, like, it's not my mom wasn't trying or didn't get me just like personally, it just doesn't, I don't. I don't understand. Like, I yeah. don't understand what's happening yeah. here.
2: And yeah. I understand
0: that now. And it's so nice to have someone who you can connect
2: well, and, with. Yeah. And part, I mean, I think that not to take it back to the book, but that's partly also what I was exploring is that it's so important to have a strong network of women. It's not just one yes. relationship, right? That you need a strong support of many women to help, help get through.
0: Yes. <laughs> yes. yes. Yeah. I love that. Love that! Oh, so speaking so, of love, yeah. Okay. yeah love. Speaking of love, I, I knew where we were going. Yeah, we <laughs> we like to end with what you are loving right now, books that you're reading, shows you're watching, anything that you're really into and obsessed with. That yeah. Uh, you wanna
2: so take? the book that I cannot stop talking about, and it's a little dark, um, is Notes on an Execution. Mm,
0: um, done. And I'm gonna
2: Have you read yeah. that?
0: Yeah, I have. Yes, I I took a a class with her. She is just a wonderful, delightful person. Yeah,
2: I she is so talented. It's like, it's the kind of talent that makes me go, should I even still be doing this? Because she is just so good at what she does. And that book has I read it like a month ago, and it stuck with me and I keep shouting it out to everybody. Um, that I see because I just loved it. Um, And then the TV show that I binged this weekend because I could not stop and my husband, it was one of those where my husband rolls over at 3 a.m. like, what are you doing? The oh Last God. of Us on HBO. Oh, yeah. Oh, um, I haven't everybody. watched it, but nice everyone's watch. talking about it. Oh, yeah. gosh. Yeah. So those are my two obsessions.
0: <laughs> oh, that's good. Oh, everyone's talking everyone. about that one. I know. No, I, know. I like meant good. to ask you about that. No, I haven't.
1: Too.
2: I okay.
0: Know. I know. Yeah. Well, Colleen. And it has Melanie Linsky in it, right? Who, oh, Yellow she's Jackets. in it for like a, a quick episode, right? Oh, okay. I think so. Yes. Okay. Our Yellow Jackets yeah. favorite. <laughs> um, yeah. Well, Colleen, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with us. The Mostly True Story of Tanner and Louise is out now. You will love it. I devoured every single page and and enjoyed it. It was a great ride for me. So thank you.
2: Thank you guys so much. Thank was you was so, so much.
0: You.
1: This has been Pop Fiction Women
0: with Corinne and Kate. If you enjoyed this show, please tell the complicated women in your life and the men who love them. Yes, tell them to listen. And then to follow on Spotify or review and subscribe on Apple Podcasts. And of course, share on social media.
1: Tag us with your favorite books, TV shows and movies starring complicated women on Facebook and Instagram at popfictionwomen or on Twitter at pop underscore
0: women. For more coverage of the women you love or to find out if you qualify as a complicated woman, go to popfictionwomen.com and keep it complicated.